We are jumping back into the book of Philippians. Um, that's where we've been landing for a few months, but it's a great letter Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. I believe it's relevant for 2021 and into the future for Life Church as well. That um, when we read this letter, we just don't read it, but we obey it. And we allow the Holy Spirit to put the light on every area of our life so we can become more like Jesus. That's, that's the goal. So, Father, this morning we thank you for the privilege we have to be together. We know that you're here. Uh, when we think of being here, uh, the process it took for each of us to prepare and um, uh, to come to Life Church or even to watch online, we think, Lord, that because you are God of the universe, you are everywhere at the same time. You're omnipresent. And thank you for that attribute. Because that means no matter where we go, you are there. And we ask today, Lord, that you will make yourself known to people in this room, watching online, that might be struggling who have had a, um, a challenging week, uh, maybe a trouble-filled week or month and, or even year. And they doubt and they question you, God. And through it all, we pray that you will make yourself known to them and their situation in a very personal way. Lord, you're walking each one of us through this journey called life. And looking forward to that day where we will see you face to face in our home, our permanent home, heaven. And we look forward to that in Jesus' name. Amen. Gene Ellerby was an executive of Procter & Gamble. And he never heard the Christian label, uh, Christian businessman. And if he had, he would have lumped it in with his wife, considering... Christianity was for sissies and women. It just kind of gives you a little idea of if you ran on, you know, ran into Gene Ellerby on the street, you'd know what kind of guy he was. Ironically, his wife had been praying and asking God uh, for some of those sissies to get into the boxing ring with her husband. And it just so happened to be the first sissy, uh, a friend of Gene, a former football player, a fighter pilot that Gene had known over the years, um, but hadn't seen him in a while. Well, they reconnected in Denver, Colorado. That's where Gene lived. And um, Gene was excited to catch up, you know, over the past few years and relive some of the old times. And, and of course, they were both glad to see each other until the sissy spoke up while well, they're outside chopping wood. Something has happened in my life, Gene, and I need to tell you about, his friend said. The sissy went on to boldly share his testimony about how he had given his life to Christ and the difference that Jesus was making in him. Well, that tsunami uh, hit Gene in the face, man, and he thought, oh, man, I can hardly wait for this weekend to get over. Get this dude out of my life. Uh, but that was the, wasn't the end of it because there was another, another sissy that showed up a few weeks later. He drove to Denver in his four-wheel drive truck to visit because why? God had put Gene's name on his heart. And so he drove and he said, Gene, um, you know, we've been friends for a long time and I just need to tell you, you need Christ in your life. And Gene started talking to himself. Hello. What in the world's going on here? You know, all my friends are turning into religious nuts. <laughs> well, that wasn't the end of it either. Um, Gene was flying out from the Denver airport on a business trip in the Third sissy showed up and sat down beside him, introducing himself, and after a, a short time, started talking about his relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And the man went on and said, either you accept Jesus as your personal Savior or you reject him. Those are the two options you have. And we know that to be true, don't we? You either receive him or you reject him. Well, when Gene got back from the business trip, he uh, went and talked to his wife and said, Honey, uh, I can't take this anymore. Uh, I know you've been praying. And I realize it's time that I put my faith in Christ, in which he did. We're looking at three faithful men who didn't hold back in their faith, in their faith journey to point Gene to Jesus Christ. And uh, we know they, you know, Gene didn't appreciate it. He didn't like it. Um, They weren't well received initially. In fact, it caused a lot of discomfort and friction in those conversations. But the deal was these three men were faithful, weren't they? Living out what God had asked them to be, and that was being communicators of the great love of Jesus Christ. You know, they didn't really care about Gene's title. They didn't care about those reservations that he had towards Christianity, but they were honest Why? Because they were representing Jesus Christ faithfully. And we know that their combined commitment secured another man's salvation, whose name is written in the book of life. John 15, 13 in the message, put your life on the line for your friends. And that's what friends do, don't they? You may have a friend, you may be here today, and you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ, but... God either is sending people to you or he will send people into your life. Uh, He'll speak to you in a very personal way. The reason being God wants to have that relationship with you as well. Taking a look at Paul's attitude, let's go back to Philippians 1, um, looking at verse 12. Um. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here, and he's under house arrest, has helped to spread the good news. Do you see the passion in Paul's heart? Even though he's chained to a praetorium guard, he is still committed to sharing his faith. Because it's helped to spread the good news for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. And hopefully that's where you and I are today, that we speak the message of the gospel boldly to those that God brings into our lives. Now, we take a look at these three men um, who were... Communicators for, for Christ uh, with Gene Ellerby. Uh, why, why did they have uh, such a passion and commitment to do that? Uh, I believe they, have a, they had an understanding, um, a big picture, so to speak, bigger than life. And I'm, I'm going to divert for just a moment that I believe what is happening in our world today Uh, It's happening on purpose. One reason is Satan knows that his time is short. And he's doing everything he can to distract people. To drill down into that personal relationship, that eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's distracting of what's most important to the temporal, to the here and the now. And so in that process, people are are getting consumed with life itself instead of quietly looking at the condition of their soul. How is it with the Lord? Have I settled it with the Lord and putting my faith and trust in Him? Well, in Revelation chapter 20, This is, mm, this is an appoint, appointment that every 
human being that has never put their faith in Christ will be at. It's an appointment where they stand before God. And friends, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, manipulate or use emotion here, but this is a fact that one day every single human being that has never put their faith in Christ will stand before God and they will give an account of their life. It's the heart of God that no human being would be standing there. But because God loved you and I so much, he planted the gift of free will to choose, to receive or to reject him because that's what love does. It, it, it's a choice that we make. And I don't know where you're landing this morning online or here. If you've been distracted, if you could say, yeah, man, I... I've kind of been coasting, I've been drifting, I've, I've neglected my, my time with the Lord. I haven't been thinking much about eternity. That's where I've been. Well, let's read it and see what's going to happen. This is the Bible. Everything in the Bible is true. And because it's true... You can put your life on it. This is a guarantee. This is a guarantee of what will happen one day. And so, verse 11, Revelation 20, And I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it. And the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened. And when you look at the word books, it's plural, which means there are books. We, we could stop there just to, to show you the, the heart of God. Do you realize that every tear that falls from your face, the Lord has written a book about why those tears fell from your eyes? The God who created the universe, the God who is breathing life into your nostrils right now, the God who knows over seven and a half billion people's thoughts at the same time. He writes down in a book. And we see that there are books, plural here, which when individuals stand before God, those books that have been written about their lives, all the opportunities they had to put their faith in Christ, where they said no to him, will be opened and read, including the book of life, and that's, that's the major book we're talking about here, the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and the dead, death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. First of all, the lake of fire was created for Satan and his demons. Second of all, the book of life, I believe, and you've heard me say this before, I believe that God has written every human being's name in the book of life. For example, my grandfather, his name was written in the book of life up until his, and on his deathbed, it was on his deathbed after he rejected Jesus his entire life, he put his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that's hard to understand, but that's the heart of God. His name remained in the book of life, even though his entire life, 99.9% .9 of his life, he destroyed the lives of many people around him. And yet, because he put his faith in Christ, his name remained in the book of life. That's grace, friend. That's God's grace. God's extended that grace to you and to me. And quite honestly, it's overwhelming. It, it's, 
It's hard to comprehend that. And you've heard me say this too, man. The older I have become, the longer I have followed Jesus Christ, the more that grace becomes real to me. To where I am so grateful for it. And in that process, I express my gratitude to the Lord for that because I surely don't deserve it. But he's so good. And the heart of God is that he wants every person to be in heaven with him. But up to the point of their death and these individuals' deaths, if they have rejected Christ, and rejecting Christ simply means they don't put their faith in him. Their names are erased out of the book. And so this book of life is presented to every human being that has rejected Christ. And by the grace of God, even there, the Lord looks for their name and it's not there. The evidence is given to the individual, even though they'll say, I was a good person, I was better than so-and-so, you know. This lake of fire is the second death. This is not annihilation. This is eternal separation from a holy God. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Can I ask you, how long is that going to be? Is that a two-week stint? Is it a month? Is it a year? No, it's eternity. For all eternity. God does not want you there. And that's why he provided the gift of salvation, a free gift, where he allowed his one and only son to leave a perfect environment, to come to a troubled world, where his own people yelled, crucify him, and nailed him to a cross. And he shed his blood, and he died, and he was put in a grave. But on that third day, he came out victorious conquering sin, death, and the grave so that you and I can experience victory over sin where death will not beat us. It's the next step for all of eternity in heaven to be with him. And so I want to encourage you this morning, just like these three men went after Gene Ellerby because they had, they had a passion to tell the good news. Why? Because they, they had a friend that they cared about. And you put your life on the line for your friends, right? So I want to encourage all of us even here this morning watching in this room. Have you put your faith in Christ? Is your name in the book of life? Gene Ellerby is grateful for those three men. You see? In those of you that put your faith in Christ, you can think of the person, the group of people that God used to point you to Christ, right? And how God is using you. And so this morning, um, as we look at Paul under house arrest, the passion to communicate the good news, the gospel, because he doesn't want anybody God doesn't want anybody to spend eternity away from him because of his great love. And Father, I pray for all of us today. This world is spinning out of control. It is preparing itself for the one world government that you talked about where the Antichrist will come and rule. Those days are coming and are coming soon. Help us, Lord, not to be distracted with the temporal, the now. But may we look through eternal eyes that heaven is our home. And this is not it here. 
Thank the Lord. Spirit of God, we know that, that you're speaking, and, and so we're trusting you. For those that have pushed you away over and over again, you're knocking on their door, their heart, right now. And may they say, Lord Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner. You're my Savior. You went to the cross and took my place. That should have been me, a sinner. You took my place. You paid for my sin dead in full. There's nothing I can do to make you love me more, to be good enough to get into heaven, to bribe my way in. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of bribing going on at that white throne judgment one day. People are going to try and bribe their way into heaven. It's not going to happen. It may work here on earth, but it's not going to happen there. And so we ask you, Jesus, to come into our life right here, right now. The door is open. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for giving me your righteousness in exchange for my sins so that when your Father looks at me, he sees me as righteous. What a gift. Thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for restoring my relationship with my Heavenly Father. Help us to realize, Lord, this is what's most important. This is what's most important, what we're talking about now. And so we thank you, Jesus. Help me live for you all the rest of my days through the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you did that, friend, we have uh, material in the foyer that will help explain what it means to be a follower of Christ, maybe answer some of your questions that you have, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But uh, uh, we welcome you into the family of God. Yeah, yeah. So, what do we do when we welcome somebody in the family of God? We welcome. Yeah. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. What a day. What a glorious day that will be. Come on, man. Let's get on with the program. Let's get on with the notes here. I get it. I get it. So, let's go to Philippians 2. We're going to start at um, verse 25. Meanwhile, Paul writes, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother co-worker and fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. I am sending him because he has been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill, and he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died, but God had mercy on him and also on me. Aren't you glad for God's mercy? That's, oh boy, that's another one. Mercy, God's mercy. Had mercy on Paul, 
as well, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. And so I am all the more anxious to send them back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy. Do you know that's how it is on Sunday mornings here? Wednesday nights, do you realize there is, there is that we're welcoming each other when we see each other in the Lord's love and with great joy? Do you know that? Yo, come on, come on, talk to me, talk to me. Isn't that right? With God's love and great joy. Doesn't happen, it doesn't matter what happened during the past week, you know, whatever the case may be. With God's love, that's my anchor, and with great joy. That's why it's so cool to be together. And give him the honor that people like him deserve, for he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. We know Paul really uh, appreciated his friends, and in the days that we are living in, you and I today, we need, we need friends. We need people around us. Um, we, we see that Paul is writing in this chapter about two very close friends, um, Timothy, a young man. He called him a son in verse 22, and Epaphroditus, he called him a brother in verse 25, and you, you kind of get the sense in this chapter, Paul is just kind of, even though he, he's not patting him on the back, physically, he's patting him on the back verbally, you know? Hey, you know, I applaud you, I encourage you, and um, we, we get to do that uh, in the body of Christ as well. So Paul had nothing but uh, praise and, and uh, thanks for these two friends of his. Just like Gene Ellerby, I'm sure, as time went on, he probably paused and thanked his friends that came and kind of pushed the envelope with him spiritually. And I, I just need to ask you this morning, what kind of friends are you hanging with? Who are you allowing to speak into your life right now? Who's influencing you? Because we know the people we hang with are the people we'll become. And so, quite honestly, that's why it's important to spend time with Jesus. If we hang with him, we become more like him, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, man, that's right. So we prioritize that time. Number one, friends have character. Just a quick review. Uh, You know Timothy, he's proved himself. That word prove means to be approved by passing a test. In our culture today, friends, quite honestly, we, we are not teaching tenacity. We are not teaching commitment. We are not teaching you hang in there when life gets tough. We're, we're giving reasons and excuses and rationalizations on why we need to bail out and quit and call at the end of the day. That is not the heart of God. Because we know that being a follower of Jesus Christ, it takes commitment, doesn't it? Tenacity to pursue. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Yes, indeed, we need that kind of commitment today. And so Paul, um, he himself, being a a person of tenacity, of uh, will not quit attitude, um, looked for that in his friends. And Timothy was one of the guys that even though things got tough, Timothy was with him. Timothy proved himself under the test. And so that's why Paul is taking time now to uh, communicate his value. And so that's character. Um, Number two, friends are loyal, and that's Epaphroditus. Um, He's a loyal friend. Verse 25, meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a co-worker, and fellow soldier, and he was 
your messenger to help me in my need. Now, here's the thing. We don't know much about Epaphroditus. He kind of shows up in this letter. And after Philippians, you don't hear from him again. But we see that in something happened in Epaphroditus' life. He was like Gene Ellerby, man. He was, he was a, a, a no follower of Christ, man. He was, you know, he thought Christians were sissies. But somewhere along the line, Epaphroditus had a collision with God. And it was there that he put his faith in Christ. And he didn't call it the end of the day. He, he got plugged in at the church of Philippi. In fact, he became a leader in that congregation, in that church. And friends, I just want to encourage all of us again today. Are, are you growing in your faith? Are you becoming more like Christ? Or once you put your faith in Christ, you hit the pause button and you're saying, I'm just waiting for that day, you know, when Jesus comes. Can I tell you, you're just robbing yourself, man, of so much more than what God has for you. It is fun to grow in your relationship with Christ. So... You love God, and you love people, and you love life. Loving life is not a frivolous thing. Loving life is enjoying your relationship with Jesus. It carries over into everything you do. Boom! It does. It impacts everything you do. And so anyway, that's where Paul... Paul is, is writing about this man who had a collision with God, just kind of like Andrei Baitov. He was a Russian novelist, grew up under an atheistic communist regime. Uh, God got his attention on a dreary day. Think about that. And this is what Andrei writes. In my 27th year while riding the Metro in St. Petersburg, I was overcome with a despair so great that life seemed to stop at once, preempting the future entirely, let alone any meeting. And suddenly, all by itself, a phrase appeared. What was that phrase? Without God, life makes no sense. So, you have Gene Ellerby, who God sends three men into his life to point him to Jesus. You've got... Andre Baitov, who, who, who is on a metro, minding his own business, and all of a sudden, boom, God speaks to him. Isn't that cool? I mean, we all have our own personal stories, what happened and what brought us to that point where we put our faith in Jesus. I love this, man, because God's not stuck in a rut. He knows what we each, each of us need. For our attention to look to him. And Andre says, man, without God, life makes no sense. And he said, I started repeating that. That's, that's right. I, I need to place my trust in Jesus Christ. The light went on and it was there on that metro that he put his faith in Jesus in an atheistic country where God's not allowed. Do you think God reads signs? In memos, you're not allowed here? Huh? Yes or no? No! No, he doesn't. God breaks through all those barriers, man. Why? Because as we earlier mentioned, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. You can't shut him down. He's always working. So here's the cool thing, man. Epaphroditus put his faith in Christ and he grew spiritually and he became a leader in his local church. We see he brought a financial gift to Paul. That means the people around him, they said, this dude, Epaphroditus, he's a man of integrity. We can trust him. You know, he's not going to put his hand in the till. He's, gonna, he's a man of honor. He's a man of God. And so they were able to send him with those finances. And... The second thing was to assist Paul in taking care of Paul's personal needs. He, he was basically Paul's servant. He did whatever Paul needed him to do while Paul was chained to a, to a Roman guard. 
Now, Paul uses three terms uh, in this text that he drills down to the impact of the friendship that he has with Epaphroditus. Maybe you can do that with some of your friends as well. First of all, he calls him a true brother. He's a true brother. He's not, he's not deceptive. He's not playing the spiritual game, you know, you're, you're good on Sunday and the rest of the week you do your own thing. No, that's, he's a true brother. He's true. Paul says he's a true brother. Literally, he means he's my brother. That's how I look at some of you dudes out there, man. You're my brothers. Huh? You have your faith in Christ, you're my brother. We should be hearing from the dudes right now. Come on. (laughs) That's it. You're my brother. And, and, And how cool is that? Paul says, he's my brother. Talking about deep affection. I know some of you guys, I'm going to talk to the dudes right now because you're my brothers. Uh, but some of you realize, I, I take my hand and I'll hit you in the chest with it. Right? Or, or whatever, you know, hit you in the back, knock you over, whatever the case may be. That is my love language. Hey? And so I'm saying, you're my brother. You're my bro. And I'm affectionately telling you, my bro. Say that? Why? Because Paul, he was doing the same thing via a letter. You're my brother, Epaphroditus. I have a lot of effect. Man, you're my brother. I love you, man. See? Nothing loopy. Solid. Because we need each other. Right? We sure do. Co-worker, second, means he was working for God's kingdom. They were on the same team. They weren't competing against each other. So, so I had a, a lady from town came down here last week, and she dropped something off, and she said, oh, looks like you're going to have some competition up the hill here. And I said, no, we're not having competition. I said, we're all in the same family, man. Come on. They're teaching the gospel. We're teaching the gospel. That's not competing, right? We're serving one great God, and he's big enough. So that's how some people may look at it. We don't look at it that way, man. So, so there you have it. Um, co-worker, that's an interesting word, by the way, because those who are in Christ, are we saved to go on a shelf and become a trophy? No. We are saved to serve. We're saved to serve. That's what Paul is talking about here. I'm saved. Epaphroditus is saved. We're not, you know, we don't put our noses up in the air. Don't you know who I am? You know, you serve me. No, no, no. We are saved to serve. Yesterday afternoon, I came in, and the cleaning team was cleaning. How how do you think they... they, I wish I didn't have to do this, man. This is really a drag. I caught them, you know. They were talking to each other, you know, in the back corner. No, they they didn't do that. Smiling, singing, happy. The dude comes out and he says, I just cleaned the ladies' bathroom, you know. That was cool. That's cool. See? Friends, it's fun to serve. You are saved to serve, man. And, and we are so grateful for the volunteers at Live Church. We, we couldn't do it without you, you know? Everything that goes on here, you are saved to serve. And what a privilege that is, right? It is a privilege. Because I'm, you know, I'm serving the Lord. That's, that's the big picture again. It's Him. It's Him. And then three, he's a fellow soldier, which um, there is something uh, for men that have been in combat together. 
uh, they'll tell you that you, when you're on the battlefield together, you fight for the survival of each other, see? Yes, we're fighting for the country, but when it comes down, we're fighting for each other. And, and Paul, this word soldier, um, in, in Christianity, it, sometimes it, it, it's kind of transpired into a dirty word, and I don't know why. But Paul is saying there is solidarity among believers who are we're fighting the same battle, the same spiritual battle, right? We have a common enemy. We're in this fight together. And, and because of that, we are, we're fellow soldiers bringing the gospel to an unbelieving, becoming more hostile world. And so uh, warriors for the same cause. Um, as followers of Christ, we should be soldiers. Um, 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. See, Paul raises that. He elevates the value of being a soldier. Why? Because soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Who's the officer who enlisted you? It's Jesus Christ. He's the officer. It goes back to the white throne judgment. So many people are getting caught up right now in the affairs of civilian life, friend. I want to encourage you, don't let that happen. Because then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier. Um, I'm reading... Uh, for fun, a book, uh, the life story of Chesty Puller, who was the most decorated Marine in, uh, uh, in history. And in the book, it talks about the fighting conditions on Guadalcanal and the suffering that went on that island and how the men endured it, the suffering. So that's where my mind went when Paul is writing this in 2 Timothy. Endure the suffering as a good soldier. This is a spiritual battle. Endure it. Fight the good fight. And, and I thought of the onward Christian soldiers hymn. I know that's many of your favorites. On the chart, it's number one. Right? It's number one. Um, onward, Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe, forward into battle, see his banner go. Onward, Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Just a footnote. In the modern hymnals today, that song has been taken out. Why? Because people don't like to hear about that. You know, it's too militant. Friend, we need to settle it once and for all. We are in a spiritual battle. We have to prepare for battle. And our... Master, Jesus Christ, is our commanding officer. He's going out before us for victory, not for defeat, for victory. And, and so, therefore, onward, Christian soldiers. You can, I know some of you just want to sing it. And there's one more cool thing here, verse 25. He was your messenger to help me in my need. Uh, Paul uses an interesting word, messenger. It means ambassador. It means one who is sent officially representing someone else, one who is sent on an official mission. Just like, just like um, Gene Ellerby's friends, they were on an assignment, weren't they, to reach him. You see that? Just like you, friend, God is using you. Representing him 
on a mission. How, how fortunate we are. So um, that's, that's an encouragement to me, an encouragement. Uh, Epaphroditus was sent by the church from Philippi to go to Rome to minister to Paul. And, um, and so we get to settle that um, today. In 1 Peter 5, 8, um, Peter, he's recognizing that the world we live in is, is competing against the, um, what's most important in our lives. And he, he kind of echoes Paul here, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That someone is singular, by the way. He picks off one at a time. He targets people traveling alone. A couple weeks ago, I saw a documentary uh, about Bruce Sundland. He was a Jewish pilot uh, for the American uh, forces in World War II. He, uh, he was the pilot of the B-17 that went over Germany. His B-17, and of course, they always travel in, in groups his B-17 was hit by flak. That's where they shoot metal into the air and it, and it can rip your plane apart. Took out three of his four engines. They caught on fire. And so um, Bruce had to leave the rest of the team because his plane couldn't keep up with the altitude nor the speed. And so he, he went lower and slower. And do you know what Bruce said? He said, that's when the German fighter planes look for, the wounded planes, because they're easy targets. And so, yeah, the German fighter planes came after him. Five of his crew was killed, four jumped out of the plane. Bruce stayed with the plane until the, near the very end, and four of the other team, of his team were uh, taking POWs, and Bruce himself hid in the field through it all and survived. But the point is, when I saw that, I thought, man, this is it. This is what Peter's writing about. This is what we go back to Revelation 20, those things of this world that are competing for our attention that we think are important, they're not important. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring light, looking for somebody to devour. Don't be that plane that's been shot up and you're all by yourself. Friend, watching online, you may be here today. You've isolated yourself. Don't do it because you become a target. That's not the heart of God. What I like about Epaphroditus is you would have never heard of him if Paul didn't write about him. <laughs> and Epaphroditus isn't sending out memos right now. Thank you, Paul, for writing about me. You know, I'm famous. I'm rich. No, 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 that's not, that's not what he's talking about. Let's drill down into Epaphroditus. He served no public capacity. He wasn't a pastor like Timothy. He didn't take the gospel to an unreached area. He didn't receive any special revelation like Paul did. He, he wrote nothing down. All he did was faithfully serve Paul by bringing the money to him and then by serving Paul's needs. I want you to think about that. He was a messenger who brought Paul some money to help him survive, and then he hung around serving Paul. Paul calls him a brother, a co-worker, a fellow soldier, a messenger. Friend, you need to understand to serve in some unnoticed, unrecognized place in the body of Christ is as much work for Christ as public ministry. Listen, listen, a pastor is not better than anybody else, you know. Those who serve during the week, we're all on the same playing field. We're all the same in the eyes of God. In fact, some of you that are in the public arena, man, you have greater opportunities to tell others about Christ. You know? Really. So 
Don't look at yourself, well, I'm, you know, I, I can identify with Epaphroditus. He was a nobody. He's not a nobody. Notice Paul is elevating him. He sees great worth in that, and I want to encourage you today, please do not look at yourself as not being good enough, not being as spiritual as somebody else. It's like Mike when he returned home from his first day in kindergarten and his mother asked him if he had a good day. He said, I can't read, I can't write, and they won't let me talk, so what's the use? (laughs) Maybe that's how you feel, man. It's like... What's the use? What's the point? You have great worth and value when you're serving the Lord in whatever capacity. So I want to encourage you to press on this morning in your walk with Christ. Father, thank you this morning for your good work in our lives, Lord. We are grateful to you. As Paul applauded Timothy and Epaphroditus, Lord, help us at Live Church to applaud each other, to see the good work you're doing in each one of our lives. The smile that it puts on your face, Lord, to see how we love one another, how we serve one another, how we relate to others that don't know you about the truth of the gospel. That's what's important. And today, Lord, we are reminded on how temporal this world is. It's passing away before our very eyes, but heaven is forever. That is our home. That's what we live for. It's you who we honor, Lord, It's you who we please. Help us through the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives that gives us the power and the desire to do what's pleasing to the Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for that, Lord. And so here we are with you, our loving Lord and Savior. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.